Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and happy Wednesday. Today is a bonus episode because for OCD Awareness Week, I interviewed Chris Bear, who is the producer of the movie Unstuck, an OCD kids movie that is phenomenal. It is something that I have every single kid watch in my practice, and it helps them realize they're not alone. But more importantly, it gives them tools from other kids on how to handle their OCD. So here is my interview with Chris, and don't forget to check out his amazing site, resources, and documentary at OCDKidsMovie.com. Well, I want to welcome Chris. Thank you for coming on and having a chat with me during OCD Awareness Week. Thank you. Um, happy, or I should say, clear and mindfulness world mental health day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great to, great to be on. Yeah, I appreciate it. So I wanted to pick your brain about like being a parent with a child with OCD, because I get a lot of questions and um, it would be great to get your perspective on that. So in general, we'll just talk about about the obvious thing. If someone was just newly diagnosed, what would be the first steps that you would take as a parent? Um, I think one of the, I mean, for for us, um, and I, I would just recommend doing as much research as possible. Um, and it's not just scouring, you know, Google, but it's, um, getting a couple of, uh, OCD books, you know, um, talk back to OCD or, or when a child or, you know, um, when a family member has OCD, uh, kind of books that are sort of like textbooks, but are like, um, you know, a self-help. This is how the process works because it really gives you not only the idea of how therapy works, but also how the brain works. You kind of can get, you need to get educated on OCD more than just your child and other things and what to be aware of. Uh, And that way, and the reason for that is A, so I think you can help your kid the best, but also so that you can have a relationship with the therapist and understand how the world around the kid is going to be affected, how your life is going to be affected. So, you know, number one thing is educate um, you know, and because you're kind of, uh, if, if your child is been diagnosed and hopefully they have a therapist and, you know, make that the number one priority, you know, the therapy appointments are not to be missed. Um, and whatever homework the therapist gives you or whatever you work on during therapy, you know, make that the number one priority to work on during week. Yeah. I think those are good points because I think some parents, not all parents, but some parents do have the the whole let the professional handle this um, mentality, maybe because they're nervous, they, they don't want to mess anything up, you know, or they don't understand it. And, and I think it's a good thing to convey, you're the expert in your child. You're, you may not be an expert at OCD right now, but you know your kid and you're with them 24-7. So study it. You know, like my child was just yeah. diagnosed with um, celiac disease. And I knew nothing about gluten, gluten-free, celiac, like three days ago. And now I feel like I'm like a mini expert, you know? <laughs> you just have to like bury your head in that. And those are two great books that you mentioned, Talking Back to OCD and um, what's, what's the title? Um, when a Family Member Has OCD. Yeah, that's an excellent um, one too. Yeah, John's book is great. Um, you know, these are, these are kind of things that we learned and, and, and we were lucky that, uh, sometimes, um, somebody else would say something and we'd be like, Oh, we have permission to do that. That's great. 
So, you know, understand that you will not be amazing from day one. And then it takes time and there's a lot of bumps in the road, but that, you know, the best advice I think our therapist gave us initially was like, you know, nothing else comes, nothing else takes priority over mental health and OCD. And it was like, Oh, you mean we have permission not to do play dates and, and, and cancels homework. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. If homework can't be done and ERP can be done ERP. And, uh, you know, it was like just having somebody else give, uh, uh, there's like that, that type of feedback was like a big weight on their shoulders. Cause you're trying to do everything. Yeah. You, you know, it's hard. Yeah. And I think making it a priority and realizing that is the number one priority, no matter what's going on is, is important. So I get a lot of questions about siblings. Um, a lot of parents will email me or in the private Facebook group, they'll always talk about, you know, my other child, I feel so bad for them. They are the punching bag. Uh, either they're the the punch. There's there's three things that I see happen. They're either the punching bag. So you know, if I have OCD and I'm really stressed, and you're my sister, you're getting hit first for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, or two, you're a bag of germs, and so you're contaminated. And so there's a lot of pain. I think that goes around with I can't touch you or the things that you touch. Yeah. And then true. three, which is completely unrelated to the other two, is um, you're my partner in crime. So mom and dad aren't going to do my compulsions, but you've got my back, right? <laughs> so how do you help with all that? Because I know you have two girls, so yes. I'm sure you live this. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I think, you know, clearly you got to help the kid with OCD first. But it also, you know, we as a family believe that uh, a family that fights OCD together beats OCD together. So it's as important as possible to me to educate the siblings. and. Uh, caregivers and grandparents as much as possible on how OCD needs to be treated. And in the same way you would, uh, you know, tell a kid, like uh, tell um, a babysitter, you know, your baby needs to be fed at seven o'clock and put to bed at nine o'clock. You almost kind of have to do that with a sibling. This is what, this is what the new rules are. This is what you have to try to avoid. Um, And to try to get the sibling on board to be aware of what OCD is because they, they need to know obsessions and compulsions and issues. And that will cause friction because there are a lot of times when the sibling with OCD does not want anybody to know and is scared to know. And, um, you know, you're younger or, you know, the child should not be in charge. You know, the sibling should not be in charge of, of, of the therapy, but, um, you know, the, the, the other siblings uh, need to understand what's going on, what to look out for, what to watch for. Um, and, you know, we were lucky that our, our youngest is super vocal and she was like, I'm going to help and there's nothing you could do about it. So we had that, you know, a little opposite problem where we had to say, no, you had to back away a little bit, but she's mm-hmm. been super helpful and she is a trigger and it is very, very hard. There's no easy way around saying like to sh- to my daughter Charlotte that um sorry tonight your sister's sleeping in your bed and she's like okay you know that's I don't why don't I get a say in this this is not fair um but you have to try to give the other the other thing I would say is try to give as equal time as you can to the other siblings um OCD will take over your life uh take over your family and it tends to be this you know I've heard people call it a smart disease because it goes after the things you care about. So if you're yeah. really into sleep, suddenly a sleep issue will come up. If you, you know, love eating out, something sometimes there'll be problems with restaurants. Uh, and um, you have to try to give that other sibling as much as possible. 
uh, time, time away, special time, you know, alone time with you. Uh, one that shows OCD, it's not boss, but two, you know, it just, it just gives you time and gives your other sibling time to feel like, you know, they matter as well, which they do. Yeah. And I think when you're in the, when you're in a storm and you're trying to, to find some peace and calm, you can forget, you know, just to, Hey, let me take my other child out, you know, for a quick bite to eat or something and give them that one-on-one time. So, oh, yeah. And I, and I say all that advice, knowing that the first six weeks that my daughter had was diagnosed with OCD, uh, Charlotte's, uh, go-to thing was sit in front of the TV and watch whatever you want. Like that's what we did. <laughs> so we didn't do it right, but you know, we had to learn from it, but you know, that's, uh, we eventually realized. And she said like, Hey, help me out here. And, uh, kind of like got us in line. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think it's a messy, it's a messy process and it doesn't matter whether you know what to do or what not to do, or even myself as a professional, I mess up with my son's OCD all the time. Um, Sometimes I'll accommodate before I even realize I'm accommodating or I'll forget my other kids until they have a really big front burner issue. And then I'm like, oh gosh, I can't like, I got to spread it all out. So yeah, we're all human. We're going to mess up. I think it's just knowing, okay, I have the intention of doing this. And then, you know, if I do it 50% of the time, 30% of the time, like I'm doing good. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So another thing that I hear a lot about often is my, my, my family doesn't get this either, or, or my friends don't get it. So either they get like hurtful comments, like, well, we all have a little bit of OCD, right? Um, or, you know, maybe if you didn't baby her so much, she wouldn't be so afraid of the world. I mean, I could go on and on. Like, I'm sure you've heard yeah. them too. All, all the excuses. Again, it's trusting yourself and knowing and trusting the diagnosis and saying, you know, what you see every day, uh, no matter what. And then um, the advice, every, there's a bit of education that you can try to do. So every time someone says, and we have these conversations at home, you know, so-and-so said, I'm so OCD. Teachers say it all the time. And I try to explain to my daughters that like that's a chance to educate or to subtly talk about um, and, and teach them what it is and what it isn't. Um, and then with family members, uh, I'm going to again refer to that book uh, when a family member has OCD because he does have strategies to kind of educate. But um, you have to feel like how can you explain it to them in as best way as you can, whether it's through a book like a children's book. My daughter read like some of these children's books too, my grandparents, this is what I have. I don't think they still understand. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you are just in charge of their therapy. So if there's a family member that doesn't get it, ignore them. That's my personal advice. Like that they don't know your kid and, and, and so forget them. They're not, um, you know, give no credence to it. At the same time, find a, find a group or community, whether it's a, a start a local support group, that's, which is exactly what we did. Because we quickly realized that there are things in OCD therapy that we couldn't tell our parents, uh, I mean, our other friends or family members. They just wouldn't understand some of the things that you're required to do. You know, um, what do you mean it's it's pouring rain out and you're standing in front of the tree that your daughter's scared? That doesn't make sense. Well, that's part of what the therapy is. So that's what we got to do. Um, so if you can find a way and um, an outlet that allows you to talk about what's going on with OCD with other parents uh, that will certainly help not only uh, you mentally, but also feel confident in the treatment that you're doing. Yeah. And I think you're not going to educate everybody. So I love that. It's, it's accepting and trusting your gut 
and the professionals that you connect with, hopefully, or whatever you've read and realizing that not everyone's going to understand it and, and letting that go because they're, yeah. it's, and it's a, it's a, it's a conversation that can take a long time, not over, um, you know, not just one and done. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the other day, my, my youngest was saying, you know, when we go to Grammy's house, they still, they like accommodate Vanessa all the time and they tell her just to get over it. You know, that's still after five years of conversations about how things need to be done. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's still an ongoing <laughs> process. Yeah. And, and it might be for a lot of people. Uh, the last thing I wanted to cover is school. School is um, tricky for a lot of people. I know um, with my own son, he, he normally uh, flies below the radar. People don't realize that he's having a problem. And so I try to be proactive at the beginning of the school year and just say, hey, I don't really give him his diagnosis per se, but I'll say he's got some intrusive thoughts about this and I'll go through it um, just to warn them in the beginning so that if he starts to hit a bump before I can even go in and meet with the teacher, she has a heads up. What do you do to help your kids or your child prepare for school struggles? Um, what we've done in the past, uh, when she was really young in elementary school, um, she actually would write a letter and explain it. Um, and then we would, it's almost like day one, you'd go in and meet the teacher and say, Hey, by the way, you know, uh, we need to meet with you. Uh, so we, we realized that it was important to get that relationship with the school, um, either administrator or teacher and, um, all teachers that we've encountered want to help. Um, but so you kind of give them the, the, you know, the things to look out for, Vanessa would generally create, try to create some kind of system with the teacher, whether it was like, if I'm having an anxiety thing, you know, I'll raise my hand, I'll do this. And if the teacher noticed, then she could go take a breath and then she would go, you know, talk to the vice principal or go outside in five minutes so that she wasn't necessarily disrupting class. Because what we, what we're trying to be conscious of is that, you know, there's 30 other kids in the class, everybody's issue. She's trying to get, teachers are trying to get through so many things in a day. But if they can just be aware of what Vanessa is dealing with and, and, but most, most, most important is establishing that line of communication so that if there's something happens in school, you know, somebody can email you so you can know what to work on and talk about. Um, And that's where we are now, now that she's older and parents are more like, you know, you're not involved in the school as much. It's more about establishing we should meet with the teachers. And um, so we've gotten emails like we're going to be watching um, Schindler's List later on in the year. So we know that's going to be a big trigger for Vanessa. It's a scary movie, scary topic. So we're going to start, you know, that's a good um, tell for us because we can start watching it and and prepare her for it. Um, And that's really, I think, the key thing um, about just letting the schools know this is the issue and then also advocating for whatever you think you need. Yeah. And I think a lot of times parents are afraid to throw out the diagnosis. Um, They don't want it in the school system. They don't want it on their, on the record. There's a lot of worry about labeling their kids. And, and I always feel like it's better. There's more pros than cons. Um, It's better for them to all know what they're dealing with, how to help your child. They spend a lot of time there. um, And to have that open communication is, is huge. Yeah. And I, I, this is going to be a generalization, but it was very funny at the beginning. Vanessa didn't want to tell every, anybody. Uh, and then when she started to be more comfortable with it, what she would tell her friends like, Oh, I'm going to therapy today. And it is, I kid you not half the kids were like, Oh, what do you see a therapist for? I see a therapist for this. And it was suddenly like, Oh, okay. You know, you have anxiety, you're going for family issues, right? You have, um, you have to see a specialist because you need speech therapy. And it was suddenly like, Oh, so we're all kind of doing this. Okay. Yeah. 
and it was, it was like, oh, everybody's got something. Yeah, and I think that it's it's freeing to know that like it's normal. People have struggles. We all have things that we're working on. So that's what I always tell kids. I'm like, I'm probably seeing your classmates. <laughs> Sometimes I know that I actually am, you know, and I'm like, there's not a lot of you in your class that are coming to see a therapist, just a hunch, you know, and there probably are. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so lastly, what would be, if you were to talk to a family that is just dealing with a struggle, what would be your best advice if you had to kind of sum it up? Um, that, uh, it can and will get better. Uh, and that I think you have to, you know, there's a lot of fear and worry and, oh my, you know, it's a lot of stress at the beginning and I'm not saying it's going to go easily or it's not going to be easy, but there is, um, that your child can get better and know that no matter the fact that you know, and you're taking steps to help them is going to eventually end up being in a better place. I'm not going to say they're ever going to be OCD free or worry free. Um, new issues will pop up, but they will get in a better place. And that, you know, the place you're in now is just a blip on the radar. Yeah. And I think that's important to hear because when you're in the thick of it, you kind of feel like you're never going to get your head above water. Yeah. It's hard to have perspective when like everything, you feel like everything's crashing in on you. And, um, you know, you come home and your kids monopolizing your life and doing all these rituals or, you know, um, acting out or whatever. And, you know, it's hard to be like, okay, wait a minute, there will be a day when this is not the problem. Yeah. And, uh, and even when you hit those, yeah. And I think even when you hit those bumps, um, you go back to all those skills that you built. And so, you know, I'll tell parents, you, you might hit a bump, but it's not like you're going all the way back. You know, when my, when my son hits a bump, it's like, okay, well, do you want to do exposure on that? Should we start exposures weekly? You know, and he's immediately knowing exactly what language to use and to lean into it. And we don't have to do all that. Like that, that road has already been built. We just have to jump back on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on and uh, sharing this information. These are all the top questions I get. So this is perfect. Great. I hope it helps. It does. All right. Take care. Have a great uh, OCD week. Yeah, you too. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Don't forget to check out the documentary if you haven't already, Unstuck, an OCD Kids movie. You can rent it. Um, You can check that out at ocdkidsmovie.com. Super helpful for kids of all ages and even therapists and adults really appreciate it. Okay, have a wonderful Wednesday and I will talk to you next Tuesday. Don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.